Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com. It's Tuesday, April 4th. This is The Gateway. I'm Wayne Pratt. Missouri lawmakers are trying to limit gender-affirming care for those under 18, arguing that it's harmful to children. Physicians and patients say most people do not understand what treatment for transgender children and teens involves. This is not something that you just wake up one day and walk into a doctor's office and get. If there are clinics that are doing that, then they're doing it wrong. In just a few minutes, St. Louis Public Radio's Sarah Fenton reports on what doctors say are the best standards for treating transgender minors. It's Municipal Election Day in Missouri and Illinois. Voters in St. Louis will pick members of a downsized Board of Aldermen. They will also decide whether to implement a regular review of the city charter. St. Louis and nearly 60 other local governments across the area are also asking voters to implement a 3% sales tax on recreational marijuana. There are also school board and local tax and bonding issues on the ballot. The polls close at 7 tonight. The former mayor and current city council member of a North St. Louis community will no longer be able to run for office. Theodore Hoskins has held public office in Berkeley for 11 of the last 13 years. He was charged in 2019 with five felony counts of election fraud related to his 2018 campaign for mayor. Prosecutors in Jackson County have dropped the charges. In exchange, Hoskins has agreed to never seek public office again. He will be allowed to finish his four-year term as a Berkeley council member. Jackson County handled the case because St. Louis County Prosecutor Wesley Bell knew Hoskins from his time in municipal government in North St. Louis County. Missouri library leaders say a plan by state legislators to strip funding would weaken rural libraries. St. Louis Public Radio's Chad Davis reports. The Missouri House-approved budget would eliminate $4.5 million in state funding for public libraries. It comes after the Missouri ACLU filed a lawsuit on behalf of two state library groups. The suit challenges a 2022 state law banning sexually explicit content from school libraries and claims it violates the First Amendment. Otter Bowman is president of the Missouri Library Association. She says rural libraries depend on state funding. There's the potential that they would need to reduce hours, reduce number of staff, potentially even close some days of the week because they won't be able to make ends meet. The budget must be approved by the state Senate and signed by Governor Mike Parson. I'm Chad Davis, St. Louis Public Radio. More than 3,000 Catholics in St. Louis are calling on the Archdiocese to suspend a reorganization plan. The restructuring could result in the closure or mergers of dozens of parishes. The St. Louis Post-Dispatch reports more than 3,100 Catholics from around 120 parishes have signed a document to protest the reorganization. The group includes former State Senator Bob Onder, who has sent a letter to Archbishop Mitchell Rosansky saying it's not clear how this plan would bring advantage to the church. A final restructuring announcement is expected next month. The newspaper reports there are an estimated 484,000 Catholics in the Archdiocese of St. Louis. A more than $25 million project to create more affordable housing in South St. Louis is moving forward. St. Louis Public Radio's Eric Schmidt has more on the Marquette Homes development. 
The project is a mix of rehab and new construction that will produce 60 affordable units in the Gravoy Park and Dutchtown neighborhoods. It takes advantage of historic and affordable housing tax credits from the city, state, and federal government. Mark Stroker directs real estate development for Rise Community Development. He says the majority of the new apartments will have two or three bedrooms suitable for families. Finding larger units that are you know, new, newer, recently rehabbed, rehab to you know sustainability requirements and to a higher standard of uh, energy efficiency are largely non-existent, but for programs like this. The project received approval from the city's Land Clearance for Redevelopment Authority last week. Stroker says they hope to begin construction this summer. I'm Eric Schmid, St. Louis Public Radio. A new project is looking to connect St. Louis area conservation groups with their counterparts who help preserve the Mark Twain National Forest. The U.S. Forest Service is working to locate all such groups in urban areas and the 26 counties that contain part of the Mark Twain. Forest Service Recreation Planner Allison Koopman says civic and volunteer groups can do more as part of a coordinated effort. It's about relationship building, not inventorying and mapping, but we need a starting place to really understand who wants to be a part of the conversation. Koopman says an accurate list will help the Forest Service identify, connect, and leverage existing partners and help attract new ones. Age-appropriate gender-affirming care for transgender children is supported by the American Academy of Pediatrics and the American Medical Association. But in Missouri, such care has been attacked by lawmakers and other officials who say it's harmful to minors. Those efforts come as critics condemn the care at St. Louis Children's Hospital's Transgender Center. Also, Missouri lawmakers have introduced legislation to limit gender-affirming care. As St. Louis Public Radio's Sarah Fenton reports, transgender patients, their families, and doctors say many people are getting the wrong idea about treatment. Tony Lamantia told his parents he was a transgender boy when he was 12. He was assigned female at birth, but knew it didn't feel right. And so I spent a lot of time, you know, advocating for myself and being like, this is what I want. This isn't a phase. This isn't like something that I saw somebody else on the internet do and they, you know, they were cool and popular, so I should hop on this train. He had a supportive family. He started socially transitioning around the house in Webster Groves, wearing men's clothes and using he, him pronouns. He eventually came out at school. He says he intentionally took his time. There was the risk of like, what if I changed my mind? What if I tried to go back on it? Um, Some of these things are irreversible that you do, and I wanted to make sure that I, you know, didn't regret anything. La Mantilla was considering different types of gender-affirming care. That's medical and psychological treatment and social changes that support a person's gender identity. Doctors recommend it for people whose gender assigned at birth doesn't match their perception of themselves. Lamantia says gender-affirming care can include well-known options like hormone replacement therapy and surgery, but also mental health treatment and social transitioning. After years of therapy and doctor's visits, he eventually started taking testosterone, which deepened his voice and allowed him to grow a mustache. After he turned 18, he got a mastectomy. Not everybody goes for the medical aspect of a transition. You know, transition is different for everybody, but for where I wanted to go with it, I was like, the social transition part, once that's out of the way, I definitely want to medically transition. And so then I just went from there. In Missouri, Republican lawmakers and officials are trying to limit gender-affirming medical care for kids and teens, saying it's harmful and experimental. But transgender people say those characterizations don't match their own experience. Medical professionals say gender-affirming care shouldn't be rushed. It's not a one-size-fits-all. 
it's a very individualized process. It's a, it's a relationship and discussion over often many years. That's Jeremy Goldbach. He's a professor and clinical social worker at Washington University who studies mental health in LGBTQ kids and teens. Goldbach says, with very few exceptions, doctors don't prescribe hormone therapy or surgery for kids before they reach puberty. Many kids socially transition without any medical treatment first. Some families of young trans patients decide to give children puberty blockers, which delay their development. He says providing gender-affirming care of all types reduces mental health problems and the risk of suicide for many trans and gender nonconforming people. As we get closer to puberty, that becomes a much more uh, pressing issue. And that tends to be, in the research, when kids, the emotional and mental health implications of not transitioning really intensify. After puberty, patients could start hormones when they reach their mid-teens. But doctors say surgery for trans people under 18 is rare. Dr. Maddie Deutsch is the president of the American arm of the World Professional Association of Transgender Health, the organization that distributes widely used standards of transgender care. The 260-page document is considered by many medical providers to be the gold standard for providing gender-affirming treatment. Uh, It's quite clear that this is not something that you just wake up one day and walk into a doctor's office and get. If there are clinics that are doing that, then they're doing it wrong. Deutsch explains the standards aren't rules or regulations. Even people within the medical community sometimes disagree about whether they're the best course to take. You know, you have to thread the needle on this work. I mean, someone who's properly trained in doing this work is going to be neither someone who's going to say, hi, nice to meet you, here's your testosterone, but is also not going to be someone who's going to sit and stroke their chin and and, uh, stigmatize or otherwise pathologize someone. Experts say because every person has a different concept of their gender and a different medical history, hard and fast rules about when a person should start hormones, for example, are difficult to make. Most kids who are trans or gender nonconforming socially transition before any medical treatment. The World Professional Association of Transgender Health Standards recommend minors show persistent gender incongruence over months or even years before they receive care. Deutsch says the organization's standards recommend informed consent from parents and kids about the risks of puberty blockers and other procedures. You want to be a blank slate. You want to hear what they have to say and help them help figure out what is really going on inside this person's head. Some are worried providers aren't following best standards, though. In February, a former worker at the Transgender Center at Washington University, one of the only places in the region to provide gender-affirming care to minors, accused the clinic of rushing people through treatment. In an online op-ed, she says the clinic's workers were not informing patients of procedures risks or long-term side effects. A WashU spokeswoman did not respond to requests for an interview about the clinic's medical care for trans patients. The university's released a statement saying practitioners there are held to the highest professional and ethical standards. Patients in the St. Louis region say it took months or years before receiving hormones and other medical interventions, so they're confused when they hear accusations of people being rushed through treatment. I absolutely was informed over and over again of any sort of risk by both the therapist and any endocrinologist I saw. The hurdles people have to go through to get any sort of care is is pretty preventative. Um, of rush. It took years to get some of the things I wanted and so I was I was just kind of shocked when they were like it was very easy you know they're just giving stuff out to kids. It's not easy there is so much bureaucracy involved just trying to call the right person 
got, trying to get a referral, it was so difficult to even just get a hold of their office. That's Joey Borelli, Tony LaMantia, and E.H. We're just using his initials because he fears discrimination. They're in their late teens or early 20s and all started receiving care when they were teenagers. Borelli says he wishes people would trust young patients can understand the magnitude of their medical decisions. I mean, that's the kind of decision making you do kind of with any decision or a large decision is like, do the benefits outweigh the risks? Oh, yeah, absolutely. hundred percent. Despite the hours of treatment and the back and forth with insurance companies, EH says it was worth it. The experts in their field say that that my identity is a real identity and that this is actually how we help people. But he and other patients in Missouri are worried about other trans kids that will come after them and if they'll be able to get the same help. I'm Sarah Fenton, St. Louis Public Radio. Our David Casares edited that report. Ashley Lissenby is the news director of St. Louis Public Radio, a listener-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Music by Ryan McNeely of Adult Fur. I'm Wayne Pratt. Support comes from Mosby Building Arts, a design-build company committed to remodeling the right way. Visit callmosby.com to get project inspiration for any room of your house.